You're listening to The Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps, retired standing guard on the Wall of Freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. Welcome back, great patriots. Uh, Again, another awesome patriot in America. His name is Sean Piatz. Is that correct? Piatz. Piatz. And 28 years, I think, in in the service as a uh, Green Beret in the Army. Uh, Been there, done that. That's what this man is. But even better than that, uh, following his retirement, he is now part of an organization as the vice president of a managing partner of ORE Systems, which is a blockchain and smart contract service. He's a decorated U.S. military career culminating with a service as a special operations officer. He's been there, done that. 28-year career provided him the opportunity to manage complex projects and successfully build cross-functional teams. This is what the military does. Military trains us, and the best way I can explain this is, is very simple, is when you're in the service, you're training the people below you to take your job, right? And you're advancing up. So if, say, for instance, you're a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps, you're going to learn the job of a gunny, et cetera. And, and that's the same thing that we bring to the corporate world, where it, it's we don't stand on a pedestal per se we get stuff done and we're in the fight in the middle and i'm pretty sure that sean in his vice president position has the same values and thus the company is going to be Awesome. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Organizational Leadership, which is awesome, as well as a certificate in ITEL and project management, which I also have, by the way. Yep. I mean, uh, you and I have so much in common, and I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, Sean. Glad to have you. Happy to be here, Gunny. Thanks so much for, for uh, inviting me on the show. Appreciate okay, the opportunity so, to talk to everybody. Yep. So let's talk about first off your military career. Okay. You know, first off, why did you even go in the military? Yeah. And tell us about uh, your experience. You know, as far as uh, your life in the military. 
Yeah. Um, as a small town kid, you know, growing up in a kind of a agrarian farming community in the middle of North Dakota, uh, you had a few choices. You know, you could work at the local coal mine. Uh, you could go to college, uh, mostly tech school, and and find a way out. Or, you know, Uncle Sam called to you. My father served. My uncle served. Um, I felt it was my thing. You know, you start when you're when you're as a as a child playing those games uh, that I don't know if children even know how to play anymore. But you know, it was the outside kind of thing. Don't come in until the street lights go off if you have street lights or go on rather uh, that kind of thing. And so that's what drew me to the military. I like the culture. I like the idea of service. Um, it was the values that my family imparted on me, and so I joined. Uh, on the delayed entry program at 17, I uh, entered service in, in 1989. Uh, I did my first tour of duty over in Germany. Uh, and from there, I decided to join the ranks of the uh, elite. And I didn't really know much about it other than the advertising <laughs> commercial. And, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> like, oh, that seems pretty cool. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, until you start going through the training, it's <laughs> like, oh, no, this ain't cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I trained as uh, a medic initially, uh, was stationed at Fort Bragg and did some time down here in San Antonio where I live now. Coincidentally, the big circle closed, but I was trained as a medic initially, a special forces medic. I did that for about 14 years. Um, and then the assignments and things kind of turned a little wonky and not really the way I wanted them to turn. So I traded in my spine and became an officer. <laughs> I, I know went, it, yeah. I went to ward officers. Boy, I took a bunch of guff from the guys over that, but uh, it was a great move for me, honestly. And I ended up finishing in kind of in the intel side of town uh, with Special Forces after a 28-year career. So most of my time was spent at the center of the universe at Fort Bragg. Well, at least there that's where, you know, my boots were muddy and, and my wife and kids were. I, I spent a lot of time in Africa and, you know, other wonderful vacation spots around the world that uh, my Uncle Sam decided to send me to. So it was a rewarding career. I, I learned, you know, a lot about the world in general on those deployments, a lot about people and how we are a lot alike across the world. Um, and you know, some about how we're different too. So, uh, I would, I would trade, not trade that experience for anything in the world. It, you know, kind of grew me into the person I am today. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been, um, myself been around the world, different cultures and, you know, <clears throat> we think that America is all of this and, and we are when we're at home because we're in our cultural environment. But then when we go to other countries, a great example, spent some multiple times in Japan and Korea, the Asian world, you know, <laughs> the first thing that I can tell you is when I got to Japan the first time and went to a restaurant and they were sitting on the floor, <laughs> I'm just like, what? what? <laughs> I mean, how, why would you want to eat on the floor? And, you know, it's just, it's a different culture, different environment. But I learned from that. I, I appreciate the Japanese culture because their honor system is tremendous. If, if we just had a, you know, a, a third of what they believe in honor in America, uh, it probably would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. But that's the difference. How... You know, we together as military guys experience different cultures and 
unfortunately, because of America, on this global conceptual idea of, you know, you can call us global police, whatever you want to call us. But we have been injected in this world for a couple of reasons. One is because we're trying to bring the world to peace. And the majority of the military are trying to bring people to Jesus Christ. You know, that's that's how simple it is. You know, if if you join the military and you are involved, are going to get involved in combat or experiences. Before we do that, we pray to the Holy God to protect us. And it's just it's just all part of being in the military. Is no other country in the history of the world has brought peace and the gospel of Jesus Christ across the globe with missionaries and so forth. And the military does the same thing. You know, we go out and and have to fight these battles. But great example, when I was in Somalia, uh, what happened was I was in Belladogal, and they brought us out to what you would call a orphanage in the middle of the desert, so forth. And if you remember, there was a lady, I can't remember her name, she did commercials, and they, they were showing these kids with the flies all over them. They didn't have no clothes and all that stuff. That's true. I've seen it in Somalia. And so we go there and we see all of this. And at the time frame, I was in aviation electronics. I had a shop in Belladogal, middle of nowhere, combat zone, the whole nine yards. And my Marines seen this. And what we did is the aviation field, you get these bundles of rags, right? This big bundle of rag. So you can clean, you know, the aircraft, hydraulic fluid, whatever. What we realized was these rags were tore up clothes. So what we did is we sewed little pants, little shirts and everything, and brought them to these kids in this orphanage so we could protect their bodies from the flies and all that stuff that was going on. And, you know, this is what Marines do. You know, we don't just, and the Army the same, all of us, we don't just fight the wars. We take care of the civilians at the same time that we're doing those wars. And it's an amazing adventure. Right, Sean, where people think we're we're just like this these killers that go out in the world. No, absolutely not. We defend the enemy, but at the same time, same thing in World War II and Korea and Vietnam, they took care of the civilians. The love of Christ is in us, and that's what we do. I found, uh, you know, special forces is a little different kind of uh, assignment. Uh, mostly we're teachers, to be honest. Um, over the last 20 years, you know, um, used as a tool uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan to 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 uh, extend 
our political objectives. Um, that that is part of our mission. But uh, as a medic, uh, my job was to take care of my team first, and then you know the local population. We consider ourselves to be experts of cultural immersion, and so our ability to join with, work with, support uh, the local population of the country that we are currently in um, is is key to our success because oftentimes, you know, we're kind of out there alone, a little stretched beyond conventional means to support, et cetera. And so we depend on the local population for support in a lot of ways, shapes and forms. Um, it changes the way you look at a lot of things. Um, the ability to immerse within a culture, to understand others' religions, to, um, to know how good you have it here in America, uh, is huge. And a, a lot of, of my time in Africa was a lot of, you know, United States of America appreciation time. Um, those folks, uh, and that's not everywhere in Africa. There are parts of Africa which are extremely wealthy, but we didn't get to go to those wealthy places. So we were a little, <laughs> little different, little different places. Uh, but to, to, to interact with people in other countries and to understand what motivates them, what their culture is all about, um, their circumstances uh, really is eye-opening. You can't read it in a book. Uh, you can't learn it in a college. You, you know, it's one of those things that I think you have to experience. Oftentimes we would talk to the local Peace Corps workers um, and there's always a little bit of a tongue in cheek, you know, we called them in French, the Corps de la Pays, and we were the war corps, <laughs> which <laughs> this is exactly the truth. And, and oftentimes we had a lot of the same aims uh, as far as development of countries, et cetera. But it's, yeah, definitely you don't appreciate what you have until you live uh, like the locals. Absolutely. All right, Sean, let's sh shift a little bit here. Sure. And talk about America, where we're at, situation we're in. Um, how do you perceive uh, whether it's politics or the leftists, you know, mm -hmm. ingraining and bringing what I would consider psychologically deranged people? Uh, you know, into a highlight, right. uh, and I think this is all politics. I don't. I don't think it's a cultural thing. I think that the politics are trying to use this to gain more power uh, because <clears throat> these people are are a vast minority in America, but the media and the politics are highlighting. You know, the drag queens, all this stuff that's going on. So what is your view uh, of how the situation in America is, is going on today? Well, I think those two dividers of men that you mentioned, those being religion and politics, are, are what um, entities use to exploit separation and weakness in this country. We're not as different as the, the large media would have you believe. Um, you know, there's fringes on both sides of the aisle when you're talking politics. You know, your far left and your far right are no different to me. 
uh, as you and I talked about just a little before the show, I feel like I'm pretty center of the road. I might be conservative leaning, I have conservative principles. Um, but I also identify with, uh, you know, the liberal people that are, the, the number one thing is I'm willing to listen to anybody's opinion. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Alternative lifestyles are what they are. I choose what I choose and the freedom and the constitutional right to choose what you choose is what I fought for for 28 years. I guess fought for is a, a large term, but what I supported for 28 years, I was in the military. And so I, I don't have a lot of issues with the, with the way people are. Uh, I think sometimes people let emotion overcome them in their, you know, if it's an argument that we're talking about um, and, and, and it's not really, clarity of thought or logical thinking and so there's different ways to look at things you know whether emotional or logical and you know the big ones that always come up whether it's abortion or whether it's religion or whether it's you know whatever these things are i think uh everyone is entitled to their opinion and and we can't let things like that we should have a we should, we're adults for crying out loud. We should be able to sit down and have rational conversations, right. understand each other's point of view, and then either agree to disagree or come up with a solution to the problem. That's what we're supposed to do as citizens of this nation. Uh, I don't think that happens nearly as much now because we have the constant 24-hour indoctrination cycle in our ear from the mass media. It's really good to unplug from that. And I've done that recently. I like to stay current on current events to understand what's going on. But really, folks, just unplug for a minute. Go to yep. your neighbor's house and sit and talk yep. to him. And you're going to find out that he is no different than you are. Absolutely. I think we all have the, the same conceptual idea of freedom. And that's what's being challenged is the way I look at it is this is Throughout my life, same thing, Sean, we're talking about, you know what, do what you want to do, but don't shove that down my throat. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the best way I can explain it. And a true Christian is not going to shove Christianity and, and force a person to come to Christianity, to believe in Christ. So why do they have the latitude uh, to do the same on the, uh, on the other end? Just do what you want to do in life, right, and, and continue on. Yeah, uh, I think labels are a big part of our society nowadays. Yep. Um, I, have a, I have a close friend who has completely opposite political views that I do, and, and we, we joke around with each other you know, back and forth about this and that. But, you know, the uh, what really uh, sets this person off immediately is for me to stick a label. You know, and I do that on purpose to evoke a response. And I think plenty of that right. happens in the media. Sure. Stop, don't label yourself. Don't label others. Just be a human first. Be a good person. That's not. It's not that hard to do. Uh, it's not that hard to listen. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Uh, and I think if more people would understand that and they would do a little more listening, a little less talking, we might be a whole lot better off. Oh, absolutely. All right, Sean, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about your company, what blockchain is, how 
that is affecting the world because uh, those of us that don't understand what's happening with quote blockchain uh-huh. is you know if if we don't realize how the technology world works mm-hmm. then it's going to you know it's going to hit us in the face and then we're going to be lost in the sauce mm-hmm. and blockchain is one of those uh m- mysteries to a lot of people sure well, so I'm glad you're here yeah yeah I'm glad you're here I- I'm very interested in understanding this blockchain conceptual idea and uh, it's going to be awesome uh, to understand how the technology world, you know, this is not like, you know, got an app, Facebook, whatever. This is the corporate world using technology to improve uh, how things are happening and to make life better from a corporate world. So, We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Fighting soldiers from the sky, fearless men who jump and die, men who The brave men of the Queen Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men, America's best One hundred men will test today But only three win the Queen Beret They're trained to live off nature's land, trained in combat, hand to hand, men who fight by night and day, courage take from the Queen Beret, silver wings upon their chest, these are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three win the green beret. Green Beret 
have him win the green beret Silver wings upon their chests Silver wings upon their chests Silver Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny, and you're on the Patriot Cause. I have a wonderful guest, a Green Beret from the Army that's been there, done that multiple times. And he is now a chief operation officer for a company called CRE. And Sean is going to explain to us about his company and what they're doing today for the great patriots of America. Welcome back, Sean. Thanks, Gunny. So yeah, Or, or System is a technology company. Uh, we're a gaming company. Originally, we started out as kind of a blockchain company, and that was the introduction of Gunny made at the beginning of the show. Um, we still dabble in blockchain, and I'll explain a little bit about that <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, for right now, our, our lead project is uh, called With Them Front Lines, and it's a it's a game. It's a first person shooter game that's built to destigmatize and and help start conversations around veteran mental health. And so, like many first person shooter games, it's intended to be fun to play. Uh, but in so doing, we rebuild our tribe. And what I mean by that is, when I left the military about five years ago. Uh, you know, stationed at Fort Bragg for most of my natural life, it seems. I moved out here to a big city and I figured, oh, well, that's that'll be great. But I've really never been more isolated. And I think there's a lot of veterans out there who once they leave service, whether it's after, you know, one tour of duty or whether it's 30 years, you lose that closeness of your tribe and then you find yourself isolated uh, in whatever world that you choose to live in. Uh, a lot of this generation um, the Afghan and Iraq war generation were the 18-year-olds then who are now the 35 to 40-year-olds now. Uh, they started with gaming. They understand gaming, and it's uh, a, a lot of times a release. And so lots of studies out there have shown that this type of immersion therapy is really helpful for PTSD, anxiety, and other uh, issues. Some of the fine motor skills involved are actually very good for TBI patients, et cetera. And so I fit into all three of those categories. <laughs> and so that's kind of why we're pretty passionate about this because we're a mostly veteran-owned company. Uh, we love to employ veterans. And in building this game, our our idea is we want to use real veterans. We want to use, we want to tell real stories during our campaign mode. We want to incorporate therapeutics into the game ultimately. So that's going to start, you know, probably in milestone three by gathering physiological and emotional data through our proprietary algorithms and technology that then we can share anonymously via the blockchain with researchers who can then derive therapeutics that we can actually put back into the game. And so a simple example of something like that would be a tinnitus generator. I suffer from tinnitus, and I know you probably do too, Gunny. Yes. But even something as simple as a 
you know, white noise, gray tone generator while you have your headphones on and you're playing the game is in fact therapeutic. Uh, and so ultimately we have to build a great game that people like to play. And from there, the, West, the rest of the uh, wizardry is introduced kind of down the line. And so the game is called With Them Front Lines, and you can find it at our website, withthem.vet, if you're interested in learning more about it. Awesome. thing about it is <clears throat> what I've realized, and likely so, Sean, you and I were trained by World War II Korea and Vietnam veterans. Yeah. Absolute truth. And so our training during that time frame prepared us for what is going to happen in the future. I joined the Marine Corps in 1982. And the thing about it is if you're 18 years old, as an example, let's say you came in in 1991 and you're injected into the Iraq war, right. injected into this environment, and you don't have that uh, conceptual understanding of what war really is. Right. And then you go, let's go back to, uh, I, I'm assuming it was 2001 timeframe, right? 9 11, et cetera. Right. Then you have all these people that join the military, but they're, they're forced, they're, they're put into this environment. And they're forced through training and they don't have the skills that are necessary to defeat or what I would call <clears throat> being able to conceptually understand war. And like you're saying, I mean, you have all these gaming, you know, these, these kids that went through the gaming stuff. Mm -hmm. So they, they're looking at the situation based on this gaming environment, which it is absolutely not real war. Sure. Right. And so in the, in the soft community, we have, I'll call it a luxury, but there's a, a little more hint of stress inoculation that helps to stem some of the effects of traumatic experiences that you go through. Um, some of the trauma that I have is, is generated from medical situations. When I was in school, you know, uh, car wrecks on 410 here in San Antonio, Texas. I mean, those are horrible things that it doesn't matter how many pictures you look at until you're there and you're immersed in that environment. Um, it's, it's not real, right? Uh, I have a 16-year-old son who's a who's an avid gamer, and this kind of brought a point home for me to to what you're talking about. He he was sitting here playing the game, and he was talking to his friends on the headset like I'm talking to you now. And if I didn't look over there, I would have sworn that there was an operator, a seasoned operator, talking to another operator on that on that game, right? And so 
after he was done playing, we, it kind of occurred to me that his brain is actually conditioned to understand the situations that he is in. He just doesn't have the physical skills to be able to do that yet. And so the difference in our generation and his generation is we had those skills uh, physically from the start. We had to be conditioned mentally. They are conditioned mentally and they need to be skilled up physically. Absolutely. Yes. It's it's just a really different uh, thing, right? So there is a good to stress inoculation that helps cope with trauma. But um, I can tell you it doesn't cope with everything. I think, you know, if you've, nothing prepares you for the horror that is war, nothing. Uh, yes. I, don't, I don't care what you do. Uh, it'll yes. stay, it'll stick to you. And there's a lot of situations, you know, we all have a few demons. You, you and I talked about, you know, seeking professional help for a lot of things that seeking professional help oftentimes starts out with a conversation like you and I have, it's the ability to talk to somebody like you who feels the same thing as you feel who's done the same things that you feel. But one of you in the room needs to be the adult and you need to say, hey man, you should probably go look for some professional help. And it's okay to do that. Yeah. I, I think right now it's this, especially people who are active duty military, the stigma that exists for seeking help for a mental health issue still exists. You know, all the services will tell you, oh no, no, it's okay to seek help. You know, and, and then you turn right around to, to the gunny or the platoon leader or whoever and be like, what are you doing, dude? You, you know, you know, you're not going to go on this deployment if you if you report yourself. Right. Right. So right. That, has, that has got to be fixed. Uh, and I mean, uh, that's a, obviously a systemic problem that you and I aren't going to fix here today. But if we can spread that awareness that it still exists and in the veteran community, unfortunately, that stigma carries over for when you leave the service. Oh, I can't go right. ask for help because, you know, I'm weak to ask for help. I've, I've said it myself, right? I've said it myself. I'm that guy. Uh, now, I'm a little more open-minded about that. I'm, I'm ready to talk to people about it. I'm ready to share experiences. And you know what? Some of that stuff is dark, man. You, you well yes. know it. It's, yes, absolutely. Give you an example. Uh, this past weekend, I was in uh, Fredericksburg, Texas. Great place, and Yep, that's where the National uh, Museum of the Pacific War is. Mm -hmm. So I went through the museum and we left. I had a couple to come out when I started leaving and they approached me and thanked me for my service and, and all that stuff. And <clears throat> they were understanding of how me as a service person doesn't talk about it per se, right? right? So they asked me the question, what we don't understand is why you guys don't talk about it. Now, these are civilians. They're not, you know, military people. Mm -hmm. And they're Cousins, aunts, uncles, whatever, were in the military, and and none of them talk about it, and they they don't understand that. How, why does the military not talk about their experience? Mm -hmm. And the and the the reason is very very simple. A as human beings, we try to be good, not bad, but good. 
So we try to protect the people that we're around from hearing the bad. And it's, it's a natural instinct. And I was telling them that that's not me, but I'm an exception. I don't have an issue talking about, of course, going through therapy, right? Talking about my military issues. Because the more I talk about it, the more I get people to respond, understand. Now, I don't go into, like you're talking about, the, the darkness of it, right? I just explain to them how difficult military life is and going to a different country. And they were just amazed <laughs> that even I, you know, one individual would be able to say anything about it. My grandfather was in the Army Air Corps in World War II until it turned into the Air Force. My dad was in the Army, got out before Vietnam. My great-grandfather was in the Navy when they had wooden ships. <laughs> so, so I'm, you know, part of this military heritage of America, mm -hmm. but I never heard any, any stories of their combat experience whatsoever the whole time uh, I was growing up as a kid going, getting ready to go into the military. So it's just, I think it's, it, it, it needs to be uh, addressed at a point where we understand that we as military people go through these experiences, but what we need to understand is we all, all Americans, go through this experience i'm there but i'm representing you and your conceptual idea so i'm thinking in my mind sean that maybe by explaining to civilians and other military people that wasn't in combat or whatever that maybe this is the direction to help us heal as veterans and at the same time be able to explain to the civilian world, you know, what is absolutely horror in the world. Not saying I don't I don't want pity. I want you to understand, just have the knowledge of what it is that the military go through. And I think you know generationally the the World War II generation spoke very little about anything that they did uh they were a very humble sort of uh, they were uh, in my opinion I, they were the greatest generation i have the utmost respect yes for absolutely. any world war ii korea or vietnam veteran for that matter um as you know again they were writing letters they left home they came home when the war was over or in a box those were their choices you know, Korea was a bit like that because we seem to learn a little bit from our past wars. And then Vietnam kind of really started that rotation. Uh, you know, that we, I say enjoyed, <laughs> that we enjoyed, you know, during our time in service, you know, having 
you know, served eight rotations, you know, overseas in Afghanistan. At times, I really wish they would have just said, just go until the job is done. It would have been much better for the mission. Yeah. Even in my opinion, better for the men. But that's a difference in the change because during the the break, so to speak, when we would come home and go right back to training or whatever the case was, you weren't really present with your family to do that. You were thinking about the next time that you would have to leave. And it builds a, you know, it's like a, a blacksmith. It builds a callus on your hand the more times you swing that hammer. And so it's, you know, some some of us didn't talk uh, I don't think my wife knows what I did in the army to this day after 26 <laughs> years of being married, sure. uh, honestly, and she'll tell you that, but you know, there's some things you can't say because of classification. There's sure. some things that are operational security issues that you can't talk about. There are some things that you just don't want to talk about, but when you're done and it's over and, and you take your boots off for the last time and you, and now you want to share, right? And even if it's just with your closest um, friend, you know, whether that's your wife or whomever, it's like, I don't know how to do that yet. And and like you said, sometimes that, that professional assistance helps you to talk. For me, it's like-minded people. You know, we would be gone for, for months on end, come home and, you know, go to our families. And then a week later, it was like, we have to have a get together. Well, you know, in the psychological world, that's called group therapy. It's unguided group therapy, unfortunately. So most of the time it was, you know, us with a cold beer sitting around uh, the fire at night and and really just telling stories. But to us, uh, without even realizing that that was our form of therapy, yeah. that was our way to celebrate, uh, <clears throat> honor those who didn't make it back, talk about things that we had seen done. And I remember one, I'll stop rambling here, but I won uh, one particular incident where it was just us as a team said, we thought we were alone, but our wives had kind of infiltrated in the back and we didn't really take notice of it. And they heard, you know, some of the things that we were saying in our inner circle. And that, that created a lot of conversations. After the fact. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, um, because they hear, you know, the, the, you know, it's the callous, like I mentioned, yeah. of us just talking about things like that. Matter of factly, it's like, man, I didn't think I was going to make it out of that one. You know, bombs and bullets and people and whatever the case was. <laughs> and, you know, and then it, it horrifies them because they had no idea. And, and nor would we tell them, you know, especially between rotations, because you don't want them to worry. Like, like you said, you're kind of protecting them from from your demon so to speak so when when i got back from somalia and we landed in el toro california i go down the steps from the airplane and i kissed the concrete Damn. i was home i was back in america i mean that's that's the intensity of it i'm so glad to be at home because now I can walk around. People's not going to shoot at me, and well, you know, and, I don't know. And then I, <laughs> well, I'm assuming they won't, right? But I'm going to meet my family and so forth. So I go home, and my wife hugs me, and you know, we go back to our our house on the base and stuff. And 
hang on a second, Sean. So um, I went home and I took a, a bath. <laughs> the reason I did that is because for months, I had five-gallon can to wash my clothes, and we had 90-second showers. That was it. You, you go in there to turn the water on, 90 seconds is gone. So it's just like, you know, it's like, this sucks. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And and one of the so, big, yeah, when you don't have to walk 100 yards over to the, you know, whatever is considered a latrine at night, you can walk 10 feet to your bathroom. Yeah, absolutely. People don't appreciate that. <laughs> no, they don't. And, of course, if you ever had to burn yeah, the leftovers, yeah. yeah, you understand. All I right, did. so the thing about it is I get home and I get in this bath. It's nice warm water. And I just bawled, Sean. I get it. I cried for, for 30 minutes. I, I was just distraught, tore up of what I seen in Somalia. And it took a, a massive mental toll. Yeah. But I was so glad to be home. And I'm sitting there in a bath in the water, and I'm thinking about all those people that I had seen in Somalia. You know, tens of thousands of people living in the best way I explain it to a lot of people is take the worst, the worst ghetto in America. Doesn't even come close. Not even close. These these kids, these people are fighting for food just to stay alive. And we had to, to beat them off of our trucks with the, the butt of our gun because they were, they just wanted to have food. Yeah. And, you know, you know it, th that's the things that we got to deal with. And when you're talking about, and I thank you, Sean, for what you're doing is because um, we have to be able to reconcile ourselves, our mental attitude, our mental ability to, to get back to a normal life. Wow. And the more things that are available to veterans, which you are doing, which is absolutely awesome, the, the better our lives are going to be after the fact of going or coming out of these environments. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, anything helps right, right now, you know, we're not doing enough uh, as evidenced, um, you know, the number 22 gets thrown around the actual VA number is about 17 a day. Not that it matters either way, but in the special operations community, that number is much higher than 22 a day, much higher. Um, yeah. And, you know, kind of like you and I talk about at the break, the, the problem with suicide in the military is once you set your mind to it, you generally follow through on it. Um, and early interdiction, identification are all about, you know, keeping your head on a swivel. It's all those things you've been told in the military your whole life that you somehow now all of a sudden forget. When you're deployed uh, and you're in a stressful situation, everybody is always looking out for each other. Why in the hell does that change when you leave the military? Yeah, it, sh it shouldn't. You're hardwired no. for it. You're programmed to do that. Yet still, we fail. We fail each other, and and that's what it is. 
every time I see an announcement on LinkedIn or Facebook or one of the other social media platforms or something on the television set that said a, a veteran took their life, I'm horrified because it is an absolute breakdown in everything in those yeah. five factors of resiliency, faith, fitness, family, friends, finances, they've all broken. And, and to me, that is not acceptable. I might not have the answer. This game, you know, might not be the answer to that solution, but it is something. And if I can save one, just one, yep, it's well worth it to me. Anytime it's, it's I put a, it to yep. it. It's a building block, Sean. Yep. You know, it's it's a correcting of the understanding. If if we rely on this government, I was a chief information officer for the VA hospital in Fayetteville when I walked off. Of the GS 14. And I came to the conclusion that the VA hospital is a bureaucracy. It, it, it is really not to a certain point of connecting with veterans. You know, I'm still attached, I still go to VA appointments and so forth, but I, I'm never able to make that connection. Because the VA is so ingrained in this bureaucracy yep. that you can't make a relationship, a personal relationship with your doctor. Like, you know, I'm a retired, so I have TRICARE. And you know what I'm talking about. I do. So I have another general practitioner doctor that I go see, and she is tremendous with me. I have a direct connection. I mean, she cares, absolutely cares about my feelings, what I'm, you know, what my physical conditions are and so forth. And the VA is, it, it's like going in and you describe what your issues are and then they document all this and then it just becomes a process. Okay, so you have this problem, I'm going to send you there. You have that problem, I'm going to send you there. You have that problem, I'm going to send you there. And then when you go to there, you know, they have no connection, no physical, really connection with you. I, I don't think they really understand what you're talking about, that you just can't solve the physical problem. You have to solve the whole body mental problem of a veteran. You can't just, oh, you know, if if I can you know, fixes back or whatever, then, you know, good to go. And I appreciate that conceptual idea. Mm -hmm. But I do not feel when I go to the VA that, like you're talking about, I don't have that connection. I don't have that, you know, uh, necessary medical and mental connection to be a whole person. It's it's like okay, I'm here today to take care of this. Yeah, you know that's yeah that's problem oriented medical diagnosis in a nutshell. Uh, I, I think you know the VA is an organization that suffers from what many government organizations suffer from, and that's the bureaucracy. Yep. Uh, at the at the doctor level, I have had great care at the VA since I've gone there, and like you say, Good. individually, I think they they absolutely care. 
administratively, however, there are challenges within the VA yes. system that I believe could use a lot of cleaning up. Absolutely. And, you know, for instance, why doesn't the DOD medical record system talk to the VA medical record system? Why are they two separate entities? And the answer is bureaucracy. We It can easily be fixed with technology, and that technology is actually blockchain related. Um, could be fixed. You could track a soldier from cradle to grave. Um, through one, you know, medical records keeping system. But I think what stops that is the bureaucracy of the two separate systems. And in the end, it's money. Um, that's really what it comes down to. And, and I think that's a disservice to every service member, a complete disservice. You know, scheduling, oh, I can go all day about the VA. At, at the end of the day, <laughs> I think they're a well-intentioned organization. Yes, I agree that, with that. That is um, not adult-led, so to speak. It's gotten better. Um, I'm not going uh, it to. It has. I, hate, I, I, hate to, that. I really hate to badmouth the VA because they do a lot of good for a lot of people. They do. Oftentimes, you know, pain control is within their scope of practice and generally older, more seasoned professionals like you two of us are require things like pain control. Unfortunately, however, it's not a holistic approach and right. they start shoving pills down your throat. It happened yep. to me personally. Oh, take this pill, take this pill, take this pill. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And here's the thing, veterans, if you're out there listening, you are responsible for your health care. You That's correct. are responsible. You can say no. You can find alternative means. You can find other systems to help care for yourself, but it starts with you. And the older, and I'll, and I'll say this, my father was involved with the VA also before he passed. You have to understand that technology isn't everything. A phone call is what matters to yes. people who don't understand how to interface with your very, very complicated technological solutions. My father wasn't a computer guy at all. And so, well, go build a profile on, you know, system dot whatever it is over here. You know, oh, that's on EPUB. That's on VA.gov. That's on, you know, people who don't do the internet. And that is the Vietnam era. And before, by the way, they don't understand what you're saying to them. And no one, none of you, and I'll, and I'll throw this one out there. And I challenge you to, to change my mind. None of the VA reps at the small offices are able to walk a veteran through the technical solution that they have offered for care. That's absolutely. A, that's a big problem. Yep. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. And, it really has to be made, and I'm not trying to be insulting, it has to be made at a third grade level. It has to be easy. And I understand that nothing in these systems is easy, but it has to be made as easy as possible. And 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 that easy button is call me. Don't make me wait yeah. for 35, 45, an hour, two hours on hold, right? And And so it's most of the time... The, the big out now you got me to bitch and gunny so i gotta be careful <laughs> <laughs> i think the biggest problem i have is the va phone system uh, because everyone tries to be so politically correct look i'm a vet dude i can take it trust me just tell me hey look i ain't got time to talk to you now i'll call you back in 15 minutes that's all the message i need and then i need you to follow up on it yeah right if you could have that level of service that's enough for all of us the the technological people who can navigate the websites and all the rest of that, they will go find their way. But I think we got to be very careful with our Vietnam and Korea veterans. Um, unfortunately, not so much the World War II veterans now, 
but you have to hold their hand and you freaking owe it to them to hold their hand from Amen. beginning to end. That's, that's all I'll say about it. <laughs> all right, brother. Thank you so much. Oh, this is awesome. Um, Sean, last words. How do we connect with the, this new uh, game that's coming out? Is it published? Or are you still working on it? And we're still, yep, we're still working on it. Uh, if you want to connect with us, you can go to our website at withthem.vet. Um, you can learn much more about it there. We have a crowdfunding campaign going on now. Uh, we're trying to raise some money so that we can build this thing out right. Um, this is going to be a long development cycle, and it's going to take a lot of money to put into action. So even if you're not a gamer, you know, we'd appreciate you going there, dropping sure. a dollar, two dollars, whatever you can, um, and, and, and helping us kind of get this thing out the door. We're excited about it. We think it's going to be a part of the solution, um, and, and we hope you like it. Awesome. Sean, can't thank you enough. Thank you, sir. Hey, I'll come Absolutely. back and explain blockchain to you sometime. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Hey, you, you're always welcome back to the sure. Patriot cause. We can talk about anything. Great. Um, and it's just a blessing to be able to connect with you. You know, kind of a coincidence how <laughs> you're, I guess it was the CEO that was, was going to be here. And that's my CTO. He was, he's the technical oh, CTO. Guy. Yeah, okay. A, well, tell him I miss him and maybe we can get you both on, on the podcast at the same time and talk more about your company, more about, uh, with the, with them, with them. Yeah. We talk yeah. more with, with them and continue to promote this. I think it's a great way, another Avenue that veterans can, you know, hopefully get some kind of therapeutic, you know, into their minds to help them to deal with what's going on today. Absolutely. Love to come back. All right, brother. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Danny. Make a Ford and a Chevy It'll still last ten years Like the Chevy The best of the free life Is still yet to come